Margot Robbie, the star of the new Barbie movie, is being criticized as not very pretty or quote unquote mid by those who we might consider in the red pill community online. I'm going to talk about why this discourse actually matters is much deeper and is much darker than it may seem on the surface. Also, California Democrats have blocked a bill in the state to make child trafficking a serious crime or a felony. We've got both of these stories and much, much more on today's episode of Relatable, which is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout for a discount. That's GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Thursday. Hope everyone has had a wonderful week. Uh, thanks for bearing with me for uh, just the difference in audio and visual just a little bit. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm recording remote and will be next week as well. But then after that, we will be back in the studio. And just a heads up, I wasn't planning on talking about this yet, but we're going to have to talk about it sometime soon. Um, I'm going on maternity leave for several weeks come... August, in the middle of August. But as I have the past two times I've been pregnant, we have prepared episodes for you in advance. And so you're still going to have four episodes a week, even during the 12 weeks that I am gone. And I just really care about you guys getting really good content. And the interviews that we have done and the episodes that we have done, I have been dying for you to listen to. It's actually been really hard for me to hold on to some of the ones that we have because they're so good. And I know that you guys are going to love them so much. I've just wanted to release them so you could uh, so you could go ahead and listen to them. But you'll just have to wait. And so from mid-August to I guess it's November, I'll be on that maternity leave and you will still be able to hear my relatable voice every day. And I'm sure I'll still be on social media somewhat on Instagram, but I will be, you know, largely taking a break, but I'll let you know when the baby comes and all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to look forward to even for maternity leave. I didn't want to just leave you guys hanging. Um, so a lot of good stuff coming your way. Uh, all right. Now that that's covered, let's go ahead and get into some of the things I wanted to talk about today at the end of the week, especially when I have multiple interviews, there's always so much that I want to get to that I didn't get to discuss. So right at the top, I wanted to talk about the story that I saw floating around yesterday on Twitter. And that is about California Democrats in the state legislature blocking a bill to make child trafficking a felony. Now, you know, when I hear something like this, that is too, almost too bad to be true. I always want to approach it with a level of skepticism. When I'm seeing conservative headlines and conservative influencers saying something that sounds just too horrific to be completely 100% true. I always want to dig into it before sharing my opinion or sharing a headline. And that was true when it comes to this. And and yet I have also been in this news world enough to know that typically like when you hear a terrible headline like this about Democrats support say legis or don't support legislation that protects babies who survive abortion, it does usually end up being true. Whereas on the other end, when you hear that, oh, Republicans don't want, you know, poor people to get baby formula, you dig into it and you realize that that's not what happened at all. 
So, of course, both sides have the propensity uh, to exaggerate and to misinform and to lie to make their own side look better. But again, when it comes to horrific legislation that I see Democrats supporting or really good legislation that I see them fighting against, it almost always ends up being a completely true story. And that is true when it comes to this legislation, the Democrats blocked in the state of California. So here's the headline, and the summary is from Breitbart and AP News. So we've got some right and left going on here. California blocks bill to make child trafficking a felony. So let me just repeat that. California Democrats block bill to make child trafficking a felony. A Democrat-run committee of the California State Assembly blocked a bill Tuesday that would have made trafficking a minor a serious felony. The Republican bill had already passed the state Senate unanimously. Okay, Shannon Grove, a Republican from Bakersfield, shout out to Bakersfield, went there a few years ago. Some of the nicest people in the world from Bakersfield and Visalia, also some of the best food in the world. Mid-California, you guys are like the only bastion, one of the only bastions of sanity in that crazy state, and I respect you. So Shannon Grove introduced the bill, SB 14, which also notes that California leads the nation in reporting case reported cases of human trafficking of minors. The inclusion of trafficking a minor as a serious felony would make that crime ineligible for plea bargaining in most circumstances and would require that the crime be included under the state's 1990s era three strikes law, allowing for life imprisonment after three felonies. I mean, yeah. However, Grove noted Tuesday the Public Safety Committee, led by Assemblyman Reggie Jones-Sawyer, a Democrat from South Los Angeles, declined to advance the bill. Jones-Sawyer is also the author of the bill that would allow judges to use criminal sentencing to rectify racial bias in the criminal justice system. So that is CRT speak for saying that judges should issue sentences based on the color of one's skin in order to make up for the disparities that exist because a large, a largely disproportionate segment of uh, the of the black population and the Hispanic population uh, commits crimes and therefore gets sentenced to prison in the state of California. And really, this is a national issue as well. So rather than looking to fix the disparities in other ways to actually try to get to the root of the problem, rather, he is advocating that judges issue uh, rulings based on partiality, based on the melanin count that you have, rather than the severity of the crimes, rather than um, making decisions in the interest of public safety. And I mean, this is as anti-justice as you can possibly get. Now, this is social justice, because social justice is concerned exclusively with eliminating disparities and not actually truth or impartiality or public safety, but it's not actual justice. I mean, as we've talked about several times, and I know this is just an aside, but as we've talked about several times, especially in 2020, God lays out exactly what justice should look like when it comes to the judicial system. And there are four characteristics that we see over and over again in God's law giving to Israel. God's justice is impartial. So he commands that Israel never def defer to the poor or to the great in a lawsuit. So no preferential treatment for someone who is oppressed or someone who has lots of wealth and power, but in truth, you should judge your neighbor. So impartial, truthful, direct, and proportional. That's what we see. Those are four, at least four characteristics of God's justice. 
And so issuing a sentence based on someone's melanin count is the exact opposite of that. You can also read James 3 to see what God thinks about partiality and impartiality. God hates partiality when it comes really in general, but when it comes to law giving, especially in law enforcement. So this guy in the uh, in the assembly, the Democrat, is anti-justice. That is why he decided not to allow this bill to advance that would make child trafficking a serious felony. Um, so here's what Grove said, the Republican who authored this bill in a statement. She said, I had hoped Democrats in the Assembly Public Safety Committee, led by Reggie Joan Sawyer, would agree to make sex trafficking of a minor a serious felony. I'm profoundly disappointed that committee Democrats couldn't bring themselves to support the bill with their stubborn and misguided objection that any penalty increase, regardless of how heinous the crime. Human trafficking of children is a growing tragedy that disproportionately targets minority girls. And so she's kind of appealing to things that Democrats say that they care about. And California is a hotbed because of our lenient penalties. The sad reality is that trafficked children um, across California will continue to be raped and victimized until Assembly Democrats take action. SB 14 was voted down in the Assembly Public Safety Committee with six Democrats abstaining and two Republicans voting aye. Longer sentences don't actually stop things from happening. Assembly Majority Leader Isaac Bryan, a Democrat from L.A., said during Tuesday's committee hearing, all they do is increase our investment in systems of harm and subjugation. He's talking about prison. He's talking about the justice system. He's not talking about the harm and subjugation of sex trafficking. At the expense of the investments that the communities need to not have this be a problem to begin with. Okay, but it is a problem. Sure, it shouldn't be a problem to begin with, but it is a problem. And so what's your solution? If longer sentences apparently don't help, which I fail to see how they don't, I mean, I don't think you really have to be an expert to say, okay, the longer a trafficker is in prison, the safer his potential victims are, right? Uh, So he goes on to say, some people... Uh, The emotional public hearing featured testimony from human trafficking victims. Some people wept after the vote total was announced, while others in the audience shouted, coward. Now, it's eligible for consideration. This bill is, which means it could still pass. It's unclear what changes Democrats are seeking. I mean, has anything, like, what good, as far as state legislation, and this is a genuine question, this is not rhetorical, so if y'all can message me on Instagram, comment on YouTube, and let me know, like, has there been any objectively good legislation, helpful legislation, just legislation come out of the California state legislature in recent years? Or has everything just been a perfect demonstration of exchanging evil for good? I mean, has there been any truly bad legislation? And this might be easier to answer. And the answer might actually be yes, because some of I'm having some memories of these things. Has bad legislation actually been stopped successfully in the state of California recently? Like, I respect the people who stay there and are fighting hard and are light in that state. But man, it's getting more and more difficult to see these as political discussions when it's so clearly light versus dark. Not saying all Republicans are saved. Not saying all Republican legislation is perfect. Not saying being a Republican is salvific in any way. But when you look at the things that Democrats support and oppose, it's evil. It's evil. Remember a few weeks ago when I responded to 
Obama's inane and wicked tweet mourning the overturning of Roe v. Wade and mourning the fact that babies have been saved because of a lack of abortion access because of the pro-life laws that have been enacted as a result of Roe v. Wade. And I said, this is wicked. This is evil. This is an evil party. This is an evil man. There's no reason for Christians to vote for them ever. Now, I also said, you don't have to vote Republican if you're a Christian. You don't. Now, I do. I've always voted Republican. I look at each candidate and I look at the issues, but you don't have to vote Republican. I'm not saying that's your entryway to heaven by any means. Um, You cannot vote. You can vote third party. Those are all morally preferable to voting for the party that can't even, in the state of California, one of the bluest states, if not the bluest state, bring themselves to oppose child trafficking. They can't even bring themselves on the federal level or the state level to support legislation that would protect the lives of children after they survive abortion. They can't even bring themselves to oppose in any way the chemical castration of minors. Like that's what the Democrat Party stands for. So you don't have to love Republicans. You don't have to think Republicans are perfect, but there is absolutely no justification for the Christian to vote Democrat. They're simply not. It is a subversion of everything that is good and right and true. I'm not saying that every Democrat politician out there is has never supported good legislation. I'm not saying that there are no Democrat or that all Democrat voters support everything that the Democrats in charge support. But, I mean, if you're voting Democrat, this is who you're voting for. And I hear this all the time. Well, yeah, they do these bad things, like support the chemical castration of minors in the state of California, threatening the custody um, that parents have of their children if they don't support their child. We're talking like six and seven year old years old. Uh, switching genders. Sure, that happens. Sure, like Joe Biden supports taxpayer-funded abortion through all nine months. Sure, you can't really find a Democrat in charge who believes that we should restrict abortion for abortion for any reason in any way. Sure, sure, sure. That might all be true, but at least they're helping the poor. At least they're helping the immigrant. At least they're helping the marginalized and the black person. And Christians are also called to that form of justice. Christians are also called to that form of compassion. First of all, no, the Democrats are not. No, they're not. They're actually not doing those things. So I know that sounds good. That makes you feel good. Like, oh, it's just an ex- it's just a, a a little exchange that I'm doing. I'm doing here. Sure, I'm voting for people that support the most vile, grotesque, wicked, abusive, brutal legislation out there, but at least they're helping the poor, but they're not. They're not actually doing that. They say that they help the poor and you're judging their policies on their stated intentions rather than on their results. If they were really helping the poor, they were really helping the marginalized. If they were really lifting up those on the bottom, you would see that these blue cities, that these blue states are doing well. But instead, you're scared to go to San Francisco with your kids. Instead, you don't want to walk around downtown New York City anymore. Instead, you can't even go to parts of Philadelphia Denver has become, in in large parts, a tent city. 
Austin is no longer the fun place that it used to be. All of these cities that are run by Democrats have become remarkably worse over the past 10 years thanks to the progressive policies that you are using to erroneously justify voting for this evil, wicked, brutal, pro-violence, pro-crime party. And so even the justifications, the empathy-laden justifications, the compassion-centered justifications that I hear people give for why, as a Christian, they vote Democrat, because they believe in all this stuff that helps the poor. They're not even helping the poor. And by the way, you are called to help the poor. You're called to help the poor. I'm not saying the government doesn't have a role, but do not delegate your responsibility to vulnerable people in society to the state. I know that might make you feel better, that you can feel like you are really compassionate without ever getting off the couch. But remember, God loves a cheerful giver, not a giver that is giving their resources out of compulsion, which is what paying your taxes is. Like, you're not a good person because you're paying taxes. You're forced to pay taxes or you're going to go to jail. Okay, that doesn't make you empathetic and compassionate. That doesn't make you a lifter up of the marginalized and the poor. So I will just say again, and I don't care what kind of backlash this gets. It's actually amazing that this is controversial. Christians should never vote Democrat, period, period. Don't vote if you don't want to. Vote for a third party. Write in Kermit the Frog. Do not vote Democrat. There's no justification for it. I mean, of course, in the state of California, I mean, that should be obvious, but really anywhere, even if you think that one candidate, that one blue candidate is, well, maybe they're okay. Maybe they're a little bit different. Maybe this is one Democrat who might push back against Lupron and preteen boys. Maybe this is one Democrat who believes that, oh, at 25 weeks, we should restrict the dismemberment of children in the womb. Like, even if you try to take that nuanced approach, how are they going to vote? Are they going to vote pro-life? Are they going to vote pro-family? Are they going to vote pro-marriage? Or are you just voting for them because they believe in raising taxes to give handouts to people which haven't helped in the past 60 years since the welfare state um, really started taking off even more than it already was? So this is evil. I'm sorry for the state of California, but I pray since this bill is up for um, reconsideration, that it will pass because this would be justice. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's not even, it's not even justice yet because traffickers should get the death penalty. They should get the death penalty. Like this is even like, I'm thankful for this bill, but it's soft at the end of the day. Traffickers should get the death penalty. A trafficker of minors, uh, like you did no three strikes here. Like if you are proven guilty through due process, an impartial process and you trafficked a person and you trafficked a minor execution. It's not even, it's not even a question. Okay. So that's the state of California. That's the state of the Democrat party having guilt, feeling guilt over making it difficult to sex traffic minors in light of the conversation that we had Monday about how the media is reacting to Sound of Freedom, I don't know. It's just a bit strange, don't you think? Just a bit strange. Who seems to be on the side of trafficking and who and who doesn't? I don't know. A little weird. Um, 
Let's move on to this next story. Wow, we're just like really cha- we're really changing here. Actually, I'm going to be able to tie it together because we're going to talk about this Margot Robbie discourse that's going on, but I'm actually strangely going to be able to tie it to the first segment of what we're talking about right now. But let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day and that is 7 Weeks Coffee. Absolutely love this company. Like I have not gone to Starbucks. I was just checking the other day since mid May. I went through a segment of time there where I was going to Starbucks because it was so convenient and they had the drink that I liked. And then I was like, you know what? I I just can't do this. I can't spend this money anymore. And I can't spend this money at a company that is directly fighting against all the things that I believe in. I don't boycott everything, but this was a choice that I could reasonably make. And I rely on seven weeks coffee now to keep me awake in the morning. I absolutely love this company because they're a pro-life Christian company. They donate 10% of every sale to pregnancy resource centers across the country. These pregnancy resource centers are providing so much for moms, their babies, and their families to help them choose life. They now support over 500 pregnancy centers, have donated $100,000, over $100,000 to these pregnancy centers in their first year of business. And it's really, really good top-tier organic coffee. You're going to love it. Go to sevenweekscoffee.com. Use code Allie at checkout to save 10% on your order sevenweekscoffee.com code alley for 10% off sevenweekscoffee.com code alley okay here's how i'm gonna tie it so we've had this conversation that has unfortunately broken down into like a left right issue in a lot of ways a democrat republican issue in a lot of ways the whole sex trafficking conversation you have the left-wing media saying that Um, This is an exaggerated problem. It's not really that big of a deal and that it has been hyperbolized for the sake of grifting by conservatives. I mean, that's literally the reporting that we talked about Monday that's in places like the Rolling Stone. It's really disgusting how they are just so brazen and putting themselves on the side, whether they say that they're doing this or not, of sex trafficking. The more excuses you make for it, the lower the penalties are, the easier it is. And also the more open borders you are, uh, the more in support you are of sex trafficking. Again, whether you admit that or not, as Tim said on Monday, like uh, sex trafficking knows no borders, but sovereign countries do. That creates a conflict. In that conflict then is the opportunity for people to come in and enact justice and rescue uh, those children. So unfortunately that has turned into like a left right conversation, which it shouldn't. I'm sure there's a lot of people who identify as progressives who would say they are against child sex trafficking. And so, and yet it's definitely conservatives who have been the ones talking about it more, especially in recent years. And yet there's this very strange elevation of some segments of the right, which I'm not saying are pro-trafficking, but are definitely pro-objectifying and subjugating women. Like I mentioned yesterday, the whole interview with Andrew Tate and Tucker Carlson, what I saw of it was very interesting. Um, I mean, it's an interesting conversation to hear between, you know, Tucker and a very, very controversial figure. Andrew Tate is someone who says a lot of things that are true. He says a lot of things that are true about society, about progressivism, about where we've 
uh, come as a culture about masculinity, about responsibility, hard work, discipline that make a lot of people nod and say, yes, finally, some someone is saying this. But he has also said on camera several times how he has made his money. And that is by making young women, young I mean, in some cases, young girls, he actually said in an interview on camera, he first said, oh, 15, 16 year old girls. I mean, what's the age of consent in the United States? Oh, 18 year old girls. And we'll talk more about this. Maybe I'll play some of these videos next week. And uh, he's talked about how he made his money was taking these girls or taking these women and making them fall in love with him, having sex with them convincing them because they are now faithful to him, loyal to him, convincing them to do webcam videos for, you know, male customers, I guess, wherever in the world, and then taking a portion of the money that they're making. Now, I'm that's not even what he's being charged for in Romania. I can't say anything about the legitimacy of the charges that he's facing. He's facing financial crime charges and I, I don't know. I, I'm not an expert in Romanian law. Of course, he says that it's not true. He says that the charges are about basically forcing women to make TikTok videos. He said that's not true at all. Okay, TikTok, maybe it's not TikTok. But he has admitted, he's talked about very publicly, that he basically manipulated these young women into making webcam videos so he can take a portion of the money that they're getting. And then he created something called the PhD course, which is short for the pimp and hose course or the pimp and hose degree, <laughs> where he teaches other men how to do this. I mean, it is like a form of pimping. Now, I'm not saying these girls were technically kidnapped. I'm not even saying that they were technically forcibly physically coerced into doing what they were doing. But regardless of whether he is guilty of the crimes uh, that he is being accused of, he is not someone that should be hoisted up as a hero. Just because he says some things that are true, we can acknowledge that. Maybe says some things that are even helpful uh, for people to understand. It doesn't mean that he should be celebritized in any way. And yet there is certainly a segment of Men who would probably call themselves right wing, maybe they would call themselves conservative, maybe they would call themselves red pill. Red pill is a reference to basically seeing things as they really are. And I, as I've talked about a couple of weeks ago, the red pill movement has shown itself to be in a lot of ways um, extremely degrading to women, blaming women for all of the problems that society faces, blaming women for all of men's issues and all of men's disappointments and all of men's failures. If women would just be a certain way, then maybe men would step up and society would be better, blah, 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 blah. Like you see this all over Twitter and I'll give some examples today. But part of this segment of the internet that really hates women, um, that really thinks women are gross. And like, like I've said before, like there's a very thin line, I think between this hyper masculine red pill movement and actual homosexuality, because they're just talking all the time about how like terrible and gross women are and how amazing and wonderful and Adonis like men are and how terrible they have it. Um, and one part of the conversation is, you know, constantly judging women by their looks. And for some reason, Margot Robbie has become the center of this discourse because she's starring in the upcoming Barbie movie. And, um, 
So they are these these men online. You're talking about how Margot Robbie is not actually very pretty. Okay, here's an uh, here's a take. Here's one of these takes. And I'm not saying that all these people who uh, who are saying this identify themselves as part of like the red pill community. I'm not sure that they would even describe themselves like this. But this is just I'm talking about a phenomenon that whether people realize it or not are really like affecting how they think. And so bad Billy Pratt uh, says and this has over. 4,500 likes, 2.6 million views. He's responding to one of the advertisements of the Barbie movie. Margot Robbie was cast in Barbie explicitly because she isn't pretty enough to alienate a female audience. Okay, and here are some more examples. People replying to that. And then someone said, uh, someone named Nick said, this is her without makeup. Definitely mid. Okay, so mid, like mid-tier, uh, like a five or a six on a scale of one to ten. That's what that means. And then this person, Bizlet, I don't know who this is. She is a hard seven. This is a picture with a picture of her. You used to find a Margot Robbie in every blockbuster video <laughs> in 1995. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um and so there are a lot of tweets like this. There are a lot of tweets like this on Twitter that have lots of engagement of saying Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie is really not that pretty in the 80s and 90s. All women looked like this, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then here. So here are some examples of what I'm talking about of this whole like red pill, hyper masculine, allegedly world that I think kind of just like characterize or help us understand like why this discourse is even happening about Margot Robbie, beautiful, one of the most beautiful people in the world, I think, uh, being called like a five, a four through a six, I guess. So here's someone, an account. This has a lot of engagement. The handle is tell your son this women complain men are horny and only care about one thing. And that's true of most young men, because if it wasn't true, we would die out. Why? Because women are annoying and it takes a man. Okay. I'm sorry for having to say this word. Uh, again, it takes a man. You probably don't want to listen to this with your kids in the car being horny to look past how annoying a woman is to take an interest in her. You think a man who who wasn't, I really hate saying that word, who wasn't would give a remote iota of uh, an S word about enduring your annoying and insufferable self. Not a chance. And then someone replies, women are boring AF too. They got no game and they can't tell a story to save their lives. And this is just like the utter pinnacle of true misogyny. They said, this person says they have a hole. That's it. These tweets have a lot of engagement. So the Daily Beast wrote an article kind of about this phenomenon in 2017 about who they believe started the Internet's most popular forum for men's rights activists. It's a subreddit called R the Red Pill, and it's known for just like hating women. Um, apparently, there was a representative from New Hampshire Robert Fisher, who admitted writing some of the material. What? Um, so he was known to use the alias PK Atheist. And here's one of the things that he wrote on this forum that kind of, I guess, was the impetus for all this stuff. I guess I've never, this is four years ago that he wrote this. 
So this has been, you know, rumbling for a long time beneath the surface. I guess I've never met an older lady I consider to have a better personality. I find women's personalities in general to be lackluster and boring, serving little purpose in my day-to-day life. So I usually only compare body types. As far as the dead fish problem, I think I've found that across all ages. What? Oh my, oh my goodness. And then he says more and more stuff just about how girls and women are so stupid. They're so useless, all that they're good for this. You know, a lot of people in these communities say online is basically procreation, having sex with them, uh, you know, all this, all this stuff. Now, of course, is feminism as an ideology a problem? Is the emasculation of men a problem? Yes, but this is just an evil secular response to that. Um, And so it's really sad to kind of see it pop up in parts of the right. And it's okay if you don't think that Margot Robbie is pretty. Like, I don't care about that. In some ways, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, although I do think that we have objective standards and should have objective standards. But, like, let's post your selfie. Like, Please post for those men out there who are like, oh, women, blah, 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 blah. Post, post your picture. Let's post your picture and then post a picture of your wife or girlfriend. Let's, let's see. <laughs> like, let's see what we're comparing them to, really. I really think it's just a way of making them feel better, stronger on some kind of pedestal. The reality is if Margot Robbie showed any of them even just like a modicum of attention they would be over the moon excited about it. But as we talked about a couple weeks ago, when we talked about the whole trad wife culture, that is not the same thing as biblical marriage and biblical gender roles. It's cosplaying as a secular form of traditionalism. Like, and, and the same thing with like red pill stuff. Like there is this undercurrent of hatred and objectification of women that has really been enabled and exacerbated by porn. Like these men who spend all their days talking about how terrible women are. One, I think that they're homosexual, probably. And I mean, they sound like it. And two, I think that they're porn sick. I think that they're porn sick. Like I think that their brains have been completely mushed up by pornography, um, that they actually think that a natural, beautiful woman is mid or is ugly or is insufficient is a three, whatever it is, because they have been fed incessantly unrealistic images of women. And it's really, it's sad. It's really sad. They're missing out. So they're missing out on real life. They're missing out on real love. They're missing out on real satisfaction that is not found in some like AI generated image is not found in pornography. It's not found in going online and forums and constantly complaining about women. Look, women have our issues too. I mean, I basically wrote a whole book, You're Not Enough and That's Okay, about how women are so easily manipulated about uh, by the lies of our culture and how we should change that and how we can change that through the power of the gospel. So I'm I'm not someone who is saying, oh, women are the victims of everything here. But I also won't say that men are the victims of everything here. And I think man hating, husband hating online is really toxic and gross when it comes to feminists or when it comes to women in general. But gosh, I also think that of guys. And the truth is, is that the gospel gives us something better. The gospel gives us something better. Jesus Christ gives us something 
better, that we are all made in the image of God. We are not powerless victims, that we ourselves have innate value. And we, through the power of Christ, have the ability to love other people, to see them as fellow image bearers, to see them as people with dignity, not someone who is a source of all of our problems, not someone who needs to be demonized because of their sex or their race, but someone who God made specially with purpose in their mother's womb. And then we also see a beautiful depiction of what relationships and sex and marriage should be throughout scripture in Ephesians 5. Once again, like God has the answers to the questions, the solutions to the problems that our secular world is facing. Andrew Tate is a secular answer to the real problems that feminism and some of the lies of our society have brought to us. But a secular solution is no solution at all. An anti-gospel, anti-biblical solution is going to lead to just as much loss, just as much despair, just as much brokenness as the progressive secular solutions will. So let us let us be discerning. Let us be discerning. So I know it seems like the Margot Robbie discourse about her not being pretty seems like very superficial. Oh, it's just a debate. It's like that scene from The Office where they're trying to decide if Hillary Swank is hot or pretty. But it's actually deeper than that. Like there is a cultural thing going on. Alex Clark talked, she put a video out this week about this too, about how apparently in these like man forums, there's actually a debate about whether having, uh, sorry, again, adult conversation here, having sex with a woman is actually gay because women basically are so terrible. What? What? Are men okay? Are women okay? Are we okay? We're not. We need sanity. We need stability. And that really can only be found in the word made flesh. Jesus Christ. All right. And talk about a couple more things in just a second. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day. And that is naturally, it's clean. And so you might feel like you need to clean your mind out of all of the, after all of the crazy things that we're talking about. This product doesn't do that. The word of God does that. But if you want to clean your home, if you want to make sure that your countertops, that your floors, that your clothes are clean and that you're not filling your home with all of these toxic chemicals and these fake fragrances, then you need to get your cleaning materials from Naturally It's Clean. I love this company. They're a company that aligns with our values. The other day, because I'm largely pregnant, I had to clean some, like, I don't even know what it was, something that was stuck to our hardwood floor. And I didn't want to have to bend over and clean it up. I wanted the spray that I sprayed on it to do the work. And then I could just like wipe it up with, you know, a rag with my foot. That was my strategy. And it worked. I had used, um, I tried to just use water that didn't work. But when I used my floor cleaner concentrate from naturally it's clean, I sprayed it, it came right up so easily. It makes my life easier. And I love knowing does it doesn't have all that fake stuff in it but it's really effective. Everything made in the USA too. Go to naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie. You can see Allie's essential starter kit and get 15% off. Naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie. Naturallyitsclean.com slash Allie. Okay, okay, okay. So now I'm deciding if I'm going to be able to make it through three more 
Three more stories. Okay, let's see. The one that I want to talk about the most. Let me get to that one. Let me get to the CNN abortion story. Just talking about evil. And I haven't I just had haven't had the chance to respond to this yet, even though I did post about it on Instagram. Uh, this story came out via CNN July 7th. Um, and the headline is this Kentucky couple furious that state abortion laws meant they could not hold their daughter to say goodbye right away. Curious about what that means. That's, that's what I think. Now I think if you're pro-choice, then you're like, Oh yeah, see, that's terrible. You just kind of like immediately think that, but I'm like, what? I'm very confused by like, how would a law preventing abortion prevent a couple from holding their child? What a weird way to phrase it. So CNN tries to explain all Heather and Nick Mayberry wanted what this is. I mean, right away, like what objective journalism, right? All Heather and Nick Mayberry wanted was to hold their dead baby. It's really sad. But strict Kentucky abortion laws meant that they couldn't. They were furious that the laws meant that they never got to kiss or cuddle their daughter, Willow Rose, to tell her goodbye, which, of course, is absolutely terrible. In April, Heather found out that her daughter was diagnosed with anencephaly when Heather was five months pregnant. This condition means that her daughter was missing a major part of the brain and would either be stillborn or die very quickly after birth. We've talked about uh this diagnosis before there, I mean, sometimes they can live for a little bit longer after birth, but it really is a fatal diagnosis, which is very sad. And so I have a lot of compassion, and a lot of sadness for this couple who had to hear that news. Uh, the Mayberries wanted to terminate the pregnancy. So they wanted to have an abortion. So she's about 20 weeks. I'm, I'm guessing they saw this in the anatomy scan, which you get it at about 20 weeks, halfway through the pregnancy. Uh, but so they wanted an abortion. They wanted to abort their baby. It's a living baby inside the womb. Yas does have a very difficult diagnosis, but a living baby inside the womb, they decided that they just wanted to go ahead and kill the baby. But a near-complete abortion ban in their state doesn't have exceptions for birth defects, even severe ones like anencephaly. Um, so that is uh, the Kentucky law. Uh, the uh, abortion is prohibited in Kentucky after the heartbeat is protected. It only makes an exception for the life of the mother um, and even then the physician has to make reasonable efforts to keep the child, uh, keep the child alive. So they went out of state to get an abortion. Uh, their Kentucky Medicaid insurance wouldn't pay for it. The procedure, uh, would have induced birth that would have induced birth would have cost them tens of thousands of dollars when they went out of state. Um, instead, they had to settle for a much less expensive surgical procedure, but that procedure does not leave the fetus intact. And so they're talking about a uh, they're talking about like a DNE abortion, a dilation and extraction, because this is going to be brutal to hear. But at this point, the baby is so big, you can't do um, a suction of the baby out of the womb the way that you can in the first and even into the second trimester. You have to dilate the cervix so the baby can come out. And we're talking about an almost viable baby at this point, a pretty large baby. And so the baby has to be killed first and then dismembered and then taken outside of the womb. That way it's a very, very violent way to die. And I mean, typically what has to happen is we've talked about before a needle 
with poison is injected into the mother's abdomen, into the amniotic sac, sometimes directly into the wiggling living baby's heart to cause a heart attack that causes fetal demise. And then if that's successful, the child dies and is then dismembered and taken out of the womb. And so this is the procedure that they had to have at this point in pregnancy, rather than inducing labor and being able to hold their whole child. And so they are blaming this on the fact that they weren't able to, they weren't able to do that in Kentucky because one, it's illegal. And two, uh, they weren't able to do it outside of the state because Kentucky Medicaid wouldn't cover it. So is that like, so what they're saying is that because they had an abortion, a dismemberment abortion, they weren't able to hold their child. Well, that's not Kentucky's fault. That's your fault. You didn't have to abort your baby. And I still have compassion for the diagnosis that you received, but you did not have to abort your baby. There are babies born with anencephaly every year. And yes, you have to, you carry that baby to term. And then that baby gets to lay in your arms gets to hear your heartbeat, gets to feel your love, gets to hear your voice, and then they die. And so for people who say, oh my goodness, you would want this baby to live longer and suffer. Well, she's going to suffer in the abortion. She's going to suffer during her violent murder. So would I rather this child be violently murdered, painfully murdered inside the womb, or would I rather this child be given as much chance as she possibly can and then die in the loving and warm arms of her mom and dad. Yeah. I'm going to opt for the second because I'm not a monster. And so this has nothing to do with the Kentucky law. I mean, the Kentucky law did exactly what it was supposed to do. They made it as difficult as possible to kill a child just because that child had uh, an adverse diagnosis. But CNN wanted to make it and make us think that this family incurred, endured some kind of brutal injustice and had stolen from them the opportunity to hold their child because of Kentucky. No, they had stolen from them the opportunity to hold their child because they decided that it was better for their child to be dismembered than to be born. That's the story. I mean, wicked, wicked. And it's just sad that we have to think this hard and decipher this much when it comes to media coverage of something. This wasn't even an opinion piece. This was supposed to be true journalism. This was supposed to be objective reporting. And yet you have to you have to know your stuff. You have to know what abortion is. You will have to know what the procedure entails. You have to understand like Kentucky abortion law, what is actually being said here, because this is what journalism is. Mainstream journalism is nowadays. You start with a conclusion and then you tell the story to try to support that foregone conclusion, which is not what it's supposed to be. You're supposed to report the facts. The facts lead you where they lead you. And a journalist isn't really supposed to come to some kind of conclusion. You just tell the facts as they are. Like, I'm not, I don't even understand really why this should have been a reported story. But of course, it's just to push a narrative. Um, and so just, I, I mean, be aware of this empathy manipulation, this emotional extortion, especially when it comes to abortion. And remember, we are talking about the innocent life of a child here. All right. A couple more things that I'll say. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day, and that is Relief 
band. Love this company. Love this product. If you are dealing with any kind of nausea, whether it's from chemotherapy, whether you're in the first or trimester of pregnancy, you get car sick, you get anxiety sickness, travel sickness, whatever it is, uh, you need relief band. Relief band is a drug free solution to your nausea. So if you're like me, you don't like taking a bunch of medications, you're worried about the side effects, you just want to be careful about what you're putting in your body, then this is a great option for you. My sister-in-law has used Relief Band. She gets travel sickness and she said that it really worked. How it works is you put the band on your wrist, it stimulates a nerve in your wrist that communicates to your brain that then tells your stomach to stop getting nauseous. And it was developed over 20 years ago for cancer patients who were getting nauseous from their chemotherapy. It helped them keep their food down. So this could be a real game changer for you, especially if you have nausea that's debilitating. So go to uh, reliefband.com slash Allie, then use my code Allie for 20% off plus free shipping, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com slash Allie, code Allie for 20% off, reliefband.com slash Allie, code Allie. Okay, a couple more things. Another thing that I saw circulating, another story that I saw circulating. Um, here's the title. This is from New York Post. My husband had a vasectomy at 34. We love being selfish dinks. And dinks means double income, no kids, dual income, no kids. Yeah, uh, of course, of course. Like life is easier without children. Of course it is. You have less responsibility. You can absolutely do more of what you want to do. You can sleep in typically as late as you want to sleep in. You can go to bed as early or as late or as late as you want to. You can eat when you want to. You can, you know, dictate your own schedule, of course, according to your work and all of that stuff. And you only really have to think about your own survival. You don't have to think about the survival of other human beings that completely and totally depend on you. Life is 1000% easier and more convenient and in some ways more luxurious without kids. You got more money, you got more freedom, but it also like kids bring an exceeding amount of joy and fulfillment. Like that is the beautiful thing about sacrifice that the world gets wrong, that Christianity gets right, that sacrifice and generosity and the giving up of yourself, the dying to yourself is actually the most fulfilling and satisfying mode of life. Now, I'm not speaking to those people who don't have kids, who want to have kids. They're just not in that stage of life yet. Or maybe that's just not what God has for you, which is totally fine. You can find sacrifice and uh, fulfillment giving sacrifice in other ways, certainly. Uh, but for people who glorify their child-free by choice because of selfishness lifestyle, trying to glorify it, well, I mean, that's a that's a character issue. That's a character issue. Glorifying any form of selfishness for any reason is a character issue. And that's part of the problem. That's part of the reason why we are in the mess that we are in today. Brad Wilcox, again, I, I reference him all the time. Uh, he's at the University of Virginia. He's done research for a very long time on family structure and what actually brings happiness and satisfaction to people, especially children. 
And so he responded to this with some research, and uh, he said this, amidst the culture's increasingly anti-natalist turn, it is worth noting that parents are less lonely than the childless. Parents report more meaningful lives than the childless. A parents report more happiness than the childless. Life for parents is less lonely, more meaningful, and happier, according to the graph that he posted. This is according to the Wheatley Institution uh, family COVID story, May through June 2021. And so 59% of non-parents said that life is lonely some slash most of the time versus 45% of parents. Life is meaningful some, most of, all of the time. Uh, 75% of non-parents say this, but 83% of parents say this, very happy, pretty happy. 82% of parents say this versus only 68% of non-parents. Like there is just something to the ordering of life that includes the adding on of responsibility, the adding on of obligations, the adding on of sacrifice and inconvenience that matures a person. And that maturation, I think, is necessary to healthy development and fulfillment and happiness. Again, that doesn't mean that you can't be happy if God has decided that you're not going to have children. Um, but I do think it is up to human beings, it is up to adults to find ways to sacrifice, to find ways to inconvenience themselves, to find ways to serve other people, to find ways on a daily basis to not make it all about them, to find ways to even make life more difficult on behalf of other people, to meet the needs of other people. I talked about in my book, trending narcissism and uh, celebrating and worshiping the God of self, the cult of self-affirmation, this God of self-religion that I've been talking about for a long time, and certainly not just me, but I wrote a book about it a couple years ago. Like it has, a lot of people say it brings them happiness, but then when you get really down to it, like when you look at their lives and when you really talk to them, you realize that they're just chasing after the next high. They're just on this hamster wheel to try to find their best self, to find that next thing that is finally going to fulfill them. It's finally going to make them happy. The pursuit of fleeting happiness constantly, the pursuit of just self-fulfillment is a dead end. Like you will end up miserable. So whether it's children, which I think that every married Christian couple, uh, except for some few exceptions, I think biblically, uh, you should be pursuing children. I don't think that, again, there are some maybe biblical exceptions to that. There are. But I would say for the vast, vast, vast majority of Christian married couples, uh, you should be having kids you should or you should not put off having kids for the sake of travel for the sake of convenience for the sake of just wanting to sleep in for the sake of just like wanting your freedom i don't see any biblical support for the idea that kids are burdens that kids are getting in the way of your travel and career goals and so you should just put them off and not have them there's a lot of wisdom a lot of discernment in people's varying circumstances that need to be employed a lot of prayer when it comes to how many kids you can have I'm not sure that the Bible gives an explicit answer on that, but we do see the principle that children are a blessing, that we are beneficiaries of children. Psalm 127.4, like arrows in your quiver are the children of your youth. Some people have a hard time with that verse. That's what the Bible says. They're a blessing. They're a gift to us to steward. And the difficulty that comes with having kids is good. That's a good thing. It's difficult, but it's good. 
This world today likes to think that everything that is difficult, everything that is sometimes unwanted or that you don't want to do in the moment is toxic or wrong or should be put off. That's just not true. Um, it's not, it, that's, that's not the way of true fulfillment. It's also not the way of the Lord. And thank goodness that we have the perfect example in Christ of, uh, someone who did the difficult thing, drank the cup on our behalf, uh, to show us what love really looks like. And that is the answer. That's really the answer to all this friends, related bros, related gals, related bells. That's really the answer to all of this is the gospel. The craziness that's going on in the world, it's not going to win. The chaos is not going to have the final word. The exchanging the truth of God for a lie, the subversion of what is good and right and true, it's going to last for now. It's not going to last forever. One day Jesus is going to rule in perfect peace and perfect justice. He will have victory over everything forever. We know who wins. We know who wins. Psalm 37 is such a comfort to me as I as I remember that, is that I let I, I let that give me the peace that sometimes I need when I look at the world and I'm like, oh my gosh, everything is stupid <laughs> and everything is simple and everything is sad. Well, one day Jesus is going to do away with stupidity and sorrow and sickness and sin. And there is absolutely nothing that can inhibit that perfect plan of redemption. All right. Uh, last ad for the day, and that is Patriot Mobile, which is uh, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They are supporting the things that you and I support. So this is just another way that you can support this parallel Christian conservative economy that is cropping up and stop paying money to companies that hate you. And they have really great coverage. Like you're getting the same great coverage as the other three major networks, just without giving your money to companies that are turning around and donating to causes that you don't believe in. Like they're supporting the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the sanctity of life. They really care about our veterans and first responders. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie or call 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Allie. Ask about their coverage guarantee while you're there. Patriotmobile.com slash Allie. Use offer code Allie, patriotmobile.com slash Allie. All right, another announcement uh, for you as we end out the last relatable episode of this week, and that is that Blaze Media partnering with the family leader uh, in Iowa. They are a pro-family, pro-marriage, pro-life organization. They are hosting something called The Summit tomorrow on Friday. It is the first presidential forum of the election season. Unfortunately, former President Trump will not be there. He was obviously invited, but he decided not to be there. It's going to be hosted by Tucker Carlson. And you've got Ron DeSantis, you've got Nikki Haley, you've got uh, you've got Vivek Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, Mike Pence. They're all going to be there. They're going to be answering the questions that people like you and I have for where they actually stand on the issues that we care about. If you go to blazemediasummit.com, subscribe, use code SUMMIT for 30% off your subscription. That's where you're going to be able to watch it on Blaze's site. So just go to blazemediasummit.com, use code SUMMIT for 30% off your subscription. you got to be a subscriber to watch. So go to blazemediasummit.com. All right, guys, that's all we got. I know that was a longer episode. I'm sorry. I didn't even get to all the stories that I wanted to talk about. 
I had a lot to say. Uh, thanks so much for listening. If you love this podcast, leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. We will be back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. Mm-hmm.